AEG and Live Nation to require proof of vaccination for all of their shows. Plus, our thoughts on new music from the likes of Slander and Subtronics, DJ Snake and Rick Ross, Calvin Harris's Love Regenerator, and more. Welcome to episode 112 of Beyond the Beats. Let's get it. What's up, EDM champions? Thank you for joining us for episode 112 of the Beyond the Beats podcast, a podcast about EDM news and culture. And you know how we're going to start off this show. All right. We dive into the on repeat section. And what is that? That's a track that, you know, either Alec or me that we've just been blasting in our headphones. But let me tell you something real quick. This song that I'm about to play has been blasting in my headphones for the past 11 years. It has fundamentally changed the way that I look at EDM. And I'm so, so stoked to be playing this song for the EDM champions all over the world. And this is the sub-focus remix of Rusko and Amber Kaufman's track, Hold On. Enjoy. First of all, I, I didn't realize that you've been listening to this track for this long. It's been a long time. That's it's been a long time, man. Unbelievable. And yeah. secondly, what a pick. Hell yes, man. I've I've always been a big, big fan of this song. And in fact, I don't think I don't think you've ever played this for me. So I've I had no idea that you even knew this song. Dude, let me tell you something, man. I know exactly where I was when I first heard this song. Okay, check this out. High school. I was taking an animal science course. It's like one of my electives. And the teacher in there was super cool. Like she would let people just kind of get on her laptop and just play music through the speakers while we were working on the labs. Oh, wow. And somebody who was like a year above me, I remember his name too. uh, He played this track on YouTube and not a lot of people were fucking with it. You know what I mean? But when I heard this track, I I don't know, man. You were head bobbing in the back of that, right? Dude, they there was something that awoke in me, man. Like this track <laughs> is so gorgeous. Like, it's it's gorgeous, but it's filthy at the same time. Yeah. I think there's so many people out there who need to realize that this remix, even the original itself, has played such an integral part in shaping people's dance music taste. And for me, this track is at the cornerstone of my love for bass music. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That that's that's pretty incredible. Listen, I certainly when we were geared up for this episode, man, I was not expecting yeah. that whatsoever. But very I, I'm glad. I'm full of surprises. Yeah, you really are, man. You really are. The crunch rap knows how to, you know, get back to some bass music, get back to his origins. I love it. I absolutely love it. And speaking yeah, of dude. songs that we may or may not love, let's dive into the new music for this week. We've got first up, DJ Snake, Rick. Ross, look at that. Rick Ross, the boss. I'm glad that you did that sample instead of me. Sounded a lot better that way, but DJ Snake, Rick Ross, and Rich Brian teamed up for a track called Run It. Let's give it a spin. (laughs) 
dude, DJ Snake. You know, we've been talking about DJ yeah, Snake we have a, a lot. lot on this podcast, man. I think he might be gearing up for like another album release. Yeah. I'm not too sure what's going on, but this man is just pew, 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 just firing these tracks out with some massive collaborations too. And I got to say, he really surprised me with this one. Uh, and I definitely was not expecting that mm. drop on this track. But when it hits, it leaves you shook, man. It leaves you shook. But I will say, though, Rick Ross, and I've been saying this for years, dude, he never really adds much to these tracks. <laughs> and especially following Rich Brian, I, I just don't understand how Rick Ross gets all these features on tracks anymore. Like, <laughs> I find I find his lyrical ability to be so flat. It's so boring. But it's just his I voice. Just, it's that it's that signature oh, voice. Dude, yeah, I, I, exactly. I just, That's what he adds. He adds samples. That's what he I just don't. I just don't get it, bro. But that's just my personal opinion. Alec, I'm very intrigued to hear what you have to say on this one. Let's yeah, go. you know, man, actually, I, I'm not going to lie. I liked Rick Ross's uh, contribution to this. Whoa. I really okay, did, okay. you know, and, yeah. and he he seems to like have this knack for working quite well with uh, bass artists, right? Talking about a purple Lamborghini with uh, Skrillex, you know, and just is, as I said, like, his vocals are always chopped up and used as samples in like right. a bunch of bass music songs. That's and right. And so I, I kind of feel add a little bit of that kind of grungy element to this song that I wasn't expecting, uh, but I really actually quite enjoyed. So I'm going to disagree with you here slightly on it, that I think he was actually kind of a nice little addition to, the, uh, to this okay. collaboration as well as Rich Brian with it. But yeah, this this is overall, like it's a very solid tune. I think it's something that does a good job of reaching out to maybe more of the masses, right? You know, he, he's, he's collected DJ Snake has, I mean, a, a lot of uh, following am amongst mainstream people as well as right. people who are into EDM. So I think this is another example of how he's he's doing an excellent job of kind of bridging the divide between EDM and, you know, kind of like rap or pop or anything like that. So I, I think it's I think it's a very solid tune. I really enjoyed it. You know, I was very wow. surprised by this. Yeah. All right. Exactly. All right. I, I love to hear it, man. But uh, let's let's talk about this next track. Where are we going? Oh, uh, we got AC Slater, Blue. Cl Can you say it for me one more time to me? Blue clear. Perfect. Okay. I, I just love how you say that. It's it's so over exaggerated. It's amazing. Uh, AC Slater, Blue Clair, and Kate Wilde teamed up for a track called Green Light. Let's give it a spin. Dude, as much as I love AC Slater and Blue Clare, okay, this is hella generic, dude. This oh. is so generic. Oh, it's, it's, no. There's nothing inspiring for me on this track. <laughs> nobody, nobody really just was... I feel like everybody just kind of like, I don't know, man. They're just like C's get degrees, you know, sometimes <laughs> a D. And if I never heard this track again, that'd be totally cool with me. What are your thoughts? Wow. Damn. Negative Nancy. Welcome back to the show. Here we go. You know, man, I'm slightly going to disagree with you again. Whoa. Uh, not in the terms of it being, you know, original, like your point, I think is rather sound on that. It's definitely a little bit generic, but I enjoyed it. And I primarily enjoyed it, yeah. to be perfectly honest, because of Blue Claire on this track. And you could tell that that drop was heavily influenced by Blue Claire as opposed to AC Slater. I think it's just kind of like the, the weird little samples that he throws in there, kind of keeping the rhythm going. It, it, sure. it sounds much more like a Blue Claire. So when I heard this track, um, I actually didn't even initially realize that Blue Claire was on it. I saw it was just AC Slater, but I kind of I had a feeling it, it sounded a little bit more like a Blue Claire track to me. So that's why I'm not as harsh about this uh, as I think you are, because 
you can kind of tell that this was a Blue Claire track if you really have listened to his discography, uh, whereas AC Slade doesn't really put out tracks like this. So yeah. I, I think he was doing a good job kind of like teaming up with him, propelling his sound forward. I, I, I get your criticism, but I'm feeling maybe I'm just in a good mood, feeling a little bit less harsh on it. So I definitely would play this again. I'll tell you why you're in a good mood. Was that? You were you were drinking some coconut water this past that's, week. That's dude. very true. That's why that shit is hella hydrating. You already know. That's so funny. That, that, you already know. Champions. That's his, his recent obsession. Is uh, I love it. Coconut water and house. Uh, <laughs> moving forward, love regenerates it. This is Calvin Harris's alias or side project. He teamed up with Eli Brown. This is a massive again. collaboration. Uh, again, yeah, again. Another massive collaboration from them too. They teamed up for a track called We Can Come Together. Let's give it a listen. Dude, this is such a fucking vibe. I love it. All right, let's get that positivity back up in this bitch, all right? Because that vocal sample and like those acid house, like synth shots, you know, that you kind of hear throughout this track, it's just, it just all comes together so perfectly. Right. To be honest, I wish this song came out earlier in the summer because this mm. can be properly mm-hmm. played at summertime parties all around the world. And you know, it's mid-August right now here in in America, dude. So like, we're we're <laughs> exiting our summer months real, real soon. Well, not for me. I'm in I'm in beautiful Southern California. Uh, uh, the, the summer never stops. So nice for me, for you. But, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> but for for like 95 percent of the rest of this country, you know, their 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 summer months are quickly fleeting. But you know, Lover Generator and Eli Brown, these two never disappoint. Mm. And this has got to be their best collab so far. I'm a really big fan. What are your thoughts? You know, I agree with you that this is probably the best collaboration thus far, but Woo! it's leaving me wanting more. It really oh. is. I like the track. It's good. But you talking about a bit generic. This is a bit generic compared when you compare it to the rest of Love Regenerator's tracks. I'm like, I get it. You're really nailing the sound down, but I want to see you do a bit more. Push the boundaries a little bit. Like, it, you know, like that. The, he has so much he has so much like uh, this is not the way to say it, but so much chops. I'm just going with it. He's got chops in the fucking studio. He knows what to do with tracks to make it original and interesting yet catchy. But yeah, I feel like this collaboration. I mean, and I say this actually not just Calvin Harris, but Eli Brown as well. They both have right. you know just insane production skills. I feel like they could have just done a little bit more here with it. Like it was a great track. Like there's nothing I could fault of it. And I'm definitely gonna play it again. Probably DJ it, dance with it. But I'm like. All right, I, I, I want to see more from this project now. I think it is a little bit different from their previous releases. I think it's a little bit lighter, airier, more summertime themed. This is a track that I can see a lot of people getting down to, not just our tech house heads, man. But I thought that's what the point of this was, is to go to like the, the acid house and... You know, Absolutely, like, but, there, but I don't there's levels. See, yeah, there's varying levels of how deep you can get down in those weeds, man. And I think this is just one of those. This. this is this is like this is another radio track, man. Another radio track. This is like their first radio track, man. No, yeah, we're gonna go back. No way. You go back in the discography, you'll see. Not not his initial releases, but. I need to get the fuck out of here, dude. I need to get the fuck out of here. But right, uh, we'll agree to disagree. We'll agree before, to disagree. Before we move on, man, I, I just uh, I just said the word vibe, and I just got to know, what are you drinking over there? Uh, I'm drinking a, a ginger ale kind of mix to uh, I've not been I think I ate something a little bit funky 
uh, last week. Probably TMI for the show, but yeah, still kind of uh, recuperating from that. So we got the coconut water, <laughs> ginger ale going on here. So a little bit boring today. How about you, man? Right on, dude. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a Monday and uh, I've been trying to take it easy this week, especially after our last weekend at Cross. God, so yeah. I've, I've drastically like cut down my, my alcohol consumption because I'm just trying to chill right now, especially for this weekend that I have coming up. I'm seeing Eric Prids three times, so I'm just trying to chill <laughs> out for a little bit. <laughs> so How many times are you seeing him? Like eight times this year. Now, I'm right? seeing him eight times this summer. Jesus That's right. That's right. Christ. So just a little bit of water. It's a little bit of water on my Good side. Lord. But Good uh, Lord. I know this next track they're about to go into is going to leave me sweating. Yes, it, it is. Who we got? Yes, it is. EDM Champions, welcome to the new music from artists that we're watching section. And this is a banger of the track to start it off with. However, before I introduce it, I will say, I need to learn how to pronounce this name. I, I need to. And I, I know you do too. You Do you know how to? Dude, I've already given you my... my uh, what, what's your what's your take? I, I want to hear how you're going to say it first, and I'll tell you mine. No, Go I it. refuse to pronounce it correctly. So what I'm doing right now, and you can hold me accountable to this, as soon as we're done recording, I'm messaging him saying, please tell me how to pronounce your name properly in one go. <laughs> I, right. We've said Sfate, Seven Fate. I don't know. It's S-V-N-F-A. I have no idea how to say that. I think it's Sun Fate. Sun fate? Yeah. S V N. The V is like the upside yeah, down. That's right. Fate. That's right. That's right. Sun fate. But anyways, he came out with this dope track. Okay, it's really fucking great if you're into your techno. It's kind of like progressive edge to it. It's called Never Ever. Let's give it a listen. I gotta be honest with you, man. You know, I, I, mm. I find myself coming up on this podcast and just becoming increasingly more impressed with the underground rather than mm. the mainstream. All right. And it's because of tracks like this. Sunfate's push and pull on this, just like between the light and dark, is just so expertly done. And what I love is that this track stays moving. There's never like a dull moment in here. And what I also love about this, on top of that, is that in those sort of lighter, airier moments in this track, People kind of come up for like a collective breath of air, yeah. right? They're like, like 100%. Just like a nice breath of air. And then just immediately dragged back down into a dark techno dungeon. I'd almost call this like progressive techno with the a way this track moves from techno dungeon. That's right, baby. That's right. <laughs> just just like the way like with the way that this this track moves from like phrase to phrase, it's like techno, but it's progressive. It's progressive techno. Really impressed. What are your thoughts? Well, firstly, I, I don't know what that description of a dark techno dungeon is, man. I don't know where your mind's going with that. But, Deepa. Uh, Ooh, Deepa. <laughs> you already know. You already uh, know. I, I love that little plug. Shout out to Martin Horger. Martin Horger. What's he up, did that. We'll put That's that right. into the into our show notes so you can check out that interview and get that little inside joke slash reference there. But I agree with you, man. Like Progressive techno is actually a really interesting and I think very apt way to describe this track. 
it, it, it's got all the different elements of it. It gets you dancing. It has that little bit of a, of a grittier uh, bass line. That's when right. It's, when it's dropping and you're dancing. But then it's got the airiness too to kind of like, as you said, uh, I, I love that imagery there, like collective breath of fresh air. So I, I actually 100% agree with you uh, on that analysis, man. Just spot on. And he, he's really just absolutely crushing it right now, doing a fantastic, absolutely. fantastic job. And I, I just can't wait to see him start touring and, and playing in the US. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think he's... He's done some shows in, in, in Europe and things, but I, I don't think, I could be wrong on this, uh, but I don't think he's played in the US yet. But I imagine that's going to happen soon because he is on Mousetrap. Uh, so yeah, definitely big, big things coming from that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Alec, bro, we just ran through a bunch of great music. All right. Where did the EDM champions get tapped in to all the great stuff that we just talked about? Let's go. Oh, you got to go to our website, beyondthebeats.co and head over to the show notes section where you can get the lowdown on everything we've talked about on this episode, as well as every single episode that we've done to date. We also want to hear from you on social media. So Instagram, we're at btb.pod. On Twitter, we're at podbtb. And I'm now starting to tweet a little bit more. You can find me at Alec dash hyphen dash. Do people say dash over here? Underscore. 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 What the fuck is Come on, man. (laughs) I screwed up my hand. To be fair, I just changed it. I just changed it to make it uh, fully BTB. So you're right. It's Alec underscore BTB. Thank you very much. And we're still waiting on your Twitter, by the way. I know. I, you know, we were messaging about that before I uh, I was. I'm saying you're you're, you're past due. That's right. That's right. But KPIs. I am starting it this week. Mm. I am starting it this week. Well, let's, let's hold him accountable that EDM champions. Man, you know I'm good for it. But, you know, real quick, Alec, before we move on, I just want to say just a really, really quick what up to everybody who goes to shows, goes to festivals, and shows up just looking absolutely decked out, man. I, I love to see, like, coordinated squads at shows, and they, they're wearing, like, some piece of gear that's, like, you know, that they all share across them. Like, it could be bandanas, it could be cool t-shirts. I also just love seeing, like, people's flags, like, waving in the air that, like, are customized for their rave fam, you know what I mean? And I, I feel like we need to be seeing more of that kind of stuff at festivals and shows. And there's a really great company out there who is on a mission to make sure that people have the hottest gear for festival season. We're talking about our sponsors, Fest Flags. Head over to festflags.com. Absolutely love working with them. They've done some stuff for Beyond the Beats. Their customer service is amazing. Super quick turnaround. And they'll even help you out with your design if you need some help. Best of all, you get 10% off when you use our code BTBPOD. Head over, festflags.com, enter the code BTBPOD, and you're going to get some of the hottest gear for your hot rave fam and squad. Bro, let's dive into this news and culture. Where are we starting? EDM champion question of the week, you. of course. Now, this is from a longtime OG listener of That's right. the show, Will, from over in North Carolina. What's up, man? Thank you for submitting this question. But his question is, if you had to listen to one EDM artist for a year, an entire year, I, I imagine it's probably exclusive to other artists, who would you choose? Ooh, I feel like my answer is so obvious that I don't no, even want to... No, 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 no. Sorry. I Actually, he sent in a question amending that. He said, uh, accept Eric Prince. Oh. <laughs> All right, Will. Sorry. Right. Well, that's what Will said. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that yeah, was uh-huh. totally him. Uh-huh, totally, sure. totally him. Totally him. Oh, man. That's a really tough one now, dude. Um, 
and it has to be this artist like all their own music like it can't be like stuff released on their label oh yeah 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 i'd say has to be their own. collaborations are fine okay but yeah stuff on their late nah because that would be too easy i wouldn't it okay i got it let's hear it i got it it's got to be metric <laughs> it's got to be metric yeah i, and should, I should have amended it to say anyone but brits and <laughs> brits metric, and metric dude. no i love that that's a great answer no and, and and the reason why is like not only is his library of his own release tunes so damn extensive we're talking about metric uh not only is his own library of release tunes so extensive, like this, the guy has three albums out. Like he's got a lot of music plus EPs plus singles. But furthermore, his bootlegs and remixes, his private remixes of his own tracks, absolutely phenomenal. There's nobody who does drum and bass like him, dude. I can listen to his music yep. all the time, and this he is constantly pumping out dope bootlegs and remixes that it's you're just never gonna get bored within the year. So that's my that's my that's selection. A very good pick, man. A very good pick. Thank yeah. you. Who you got? I, I I respect that a lot. I bet you're not gonna get, try try take a guess, take a stab. I was gonna say Apache, but I don't no. think he has that much music released. So I feel like you're gonna be listening to the same tracks over and over again. Yeah. Even though I do love him, but I think that, yeah, that's uh, very astute. Uh, an observation that you made. I don't, I don't know, man. I'm I'm a little bit lost. Who who are you thinking right now? Let's hear it. Honestly, uh, I, I'm telling you, you, you wouldn't have expected this, but. I'm going to go with KC Lights. I was 150% not expecting that one at all, dude. What's all the right. reasoning? Even though I kind of get it, what's the reasoning? Let's hear it. Reasoning is, uh, because not only do I love his originals, but right. he has so, and just he has publicly released so many amazing remixes, either just the KC uh, Lights remix that he does, which is kind of your, your typical house remixes of it, or he puts a little bit more of a, a progressive style on it with his 6 a.m., remixes there there I, I i can't even like you just go onto a spotify and you'll see like he has a playlist for all of the i'll put it onto the show notes so people can see it actually it's incredible like the um, the number of remixes he's done of like pop songs or whatever and they're so good so that's why i could listen to him not only because i love him but because he has enough in his discography there to keep things like really fresh that i could listen to you know pretty much every day for a whole year if i wanted to and and also if i'm honest whenever i drive i'm always listening to his stuff anyhow Dude, I've always that. got his stuff in some of my own playlists um, as well. So Casey Lights is quite an easy uh, easy pick for me, though. Absolutely incredible. He's such a versatile producer, so that totally makes sense, man. He is. Great pick. Yes. That's a Versatility. good pick, dude. Yeah. yeah, it's a great pick. A great word, too. He is a, he's a versatile producer. Versatility, I love that. Versatility, dude. Versatility. I should, you know, man. That's I, another, I is that going to be another word on our uh, drinking list? To go no, along no, with we synergy. Got way, we synergy. Got way too many, way too many <laughs> words on the drinking list right now. Way we need to many. release like an official version of that because I don't think we've actually documented it anywhere. We should do like okay, if, if we say uh, vibes, right? That's yeah. like a sip of beer. But if we say something like blue clear, that's like three shots of tequila. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like varying levels of uh, fucked up. You know? <laughs> I love that. Or oh, oh, H2O. That's your, or that's, your, that's right. That's right. Or, because or water coffee. is water Actually, is I would important. recommend coffee because the amount of times that we say those keywords, people are going to be like buzzing off the walls. Totally. <laughs> they have totally. like five coffees in uh, in a session with us. But if that's your deal, then that's your deal. But Samir, my man, this is a topic you know that I threw onto the show notes just because I feel like we, we had a good discussion around it on last week's episode. Right. Uh, again, Champions of Heaven, uh, if you missed that check it out we reviewed our experience at crossed so we had a good conversation around uh, our experience there but i wanted to dive and dig into a little bit further the 
you know, what what are some of the reflection points that we've taken from that festival as it relates to techno and house music in the North American festival circuit uh, and market? Like, you know, did you feel like uh, did you feel like it was really kind of a indicator of something to come in terms of the dominance of these two subgenres in the North American market, which to date has, you know, despite its history being rooted here uh, for for house at least. It hasn't really had the same type of stronghold as it has had in the European market. So this is a really fascinating question. And I think that, let me put it this way. When Big Room fell from its prominence, right, it sort of left a massive vacuum, a big gaping hole of a genre of dance music that people across all spectrums of interest in dance music can get into, right? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And and Big Room had been propped up from like the early 2010s into like the mid 20 2010s. Like I would say about until like 2014, maybe 2015, if we're thinking about like some of Martin Garrix's set and like his his rise to popularity as well. Yep. But I think like after 2015, once Big Room just completely dove off the cliff and just jumped off the cliff and dove in popularity, everyone has been looking for like that next big thing in the US. In the US, I wanna I wanna clarify that. And I think house music is that next big thing. Why? Because it's fun. Because there are there are people, there are artists in the scene that people can get behind and really enjoy soaking up their vibe. Who do I mean by that? Fisher. All this to say is that I think there was a vacuum that was left after Big Room fell off. And I think house music is quickly filling that void. I mean, let's take a look at what's going on around the scene, right? Uh, crossed. Cross has been around for a while, but the rise in popularity of Cross, we can certainly see it from like the mid-2010s. Elro. Elro has become a massive promoter yep. from yep. Ibiza into the US, throwing parties all over this country. New York, Vegas, LA. They're hosting a stage at ARC in Chicago. So they, they're mm-hmm. all over the place, Which dude. we'll be at, Champions. If you could be there, we'll be there for that thing. Let us know. Uh, seismic. In, in Texas, right? Yeah. That's a pretty new festival right there. I believe it started in 2018. And that's a festival wholly dedicated to House of Techno. And then, of course, Day Trip in LA, which is Insomniac's festival. But also at the same time, let's talk about how we have house music, techno music, specific stages at, at festivals all over the country. Yep, yep, yep. So it's there, baby. And it's, it's, there. Only, it's only getting bigger. And not to mention too, and not to mention too, man, that Time Warp is coming back to New York. They just announced it for this winter in 2021. Wow, they're coming back after what was it? A two year? Well, with COVID, it would have been two years, right? Right. I think it was 2018. Was that the last one? Let me just quickly say it was 2019. And let me just quickly say, EDM champions, if you are in the New York City area, because I know we have a lot of you out there, go to Time Warp. Go because I uh, I went there in 2015. And uh, it was my first solo rave, first so yeah, first solo rave, first techno party, everything, first warehouse party, everything. Without a doubt, one of the best experiences of my life. The production that they put into those stages, absolutely incredible. You gotta go. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, no, it's it's true. Uh, honestly, I I wish I was able to go, uh, but hopefully this is a sign of them returning for good on an annual basis and i would love to go to that in the future but um but i think you've raised a very good point actually um that really wasn't addressed in in my question which is you know it's maybe the the signal is not just the the festivals only like the the festivals dedicated to house and techno even though Mm -hmm. that certainly is a large indicator but really what's been happening over time 
in the North American, specifically the US market, are these dedicated stages, as you were talking about. I think that's probably the, the first and probably largest indicator of a, of a rise in popularity uh, for a genre. And then I think from that, the second stage of its kind of, you know, path to dominance or, or being like a, a major uh, genre in the festival scene are those dedicated festivals such as like Crossed and now mm-hmm. Day LA. I think that's a big one, actually. Seeing Insomniac, it's Insomniac, right? That's right. You got it. And seeing them put out Day Trip, right? It, it just shows that whatever polling or data that they've been getting is showing that they need to do, uh, you know, more dedicated festivals and productions, like the entire experience, not just a stage, but the entire experience and dedicating that to house and techno. Now, what I will say is interesting is that I think a lot of these, uh, you know, maybe with the exception of seismic and stuff, a lot of it has started from the West Coast, right? That's right. But yep. now with Time Warp also coming back at the same time uh, to the East Coast, to New York, I would imagine that we're going to see more and more of this happening in the New York metro area as well. So I feel like once you get both coasts starting to have these smaller, more intimate, dedicated festivals to house and techno, that's when you can say, okay, in the next maybe five years or so, I think we're really going to start seeing there being more of a presence at the you know the huge conglomerate you know shows we we have seen that ultra and edc right what i mean is seeing people like close out the main stage Mm -hmm. like with house right like how we saw uh you know fisher and mk did at cross you could probably expect to start seeing them you know mk really his he i think he's played some some main stages at like the big the big shows but getting that primetime slot at some of these larger festivals i think we should start expecting to see it you know while in the past and up until now it's really kind of been reserved for big room as type of things you know you're a lessos uh or, or like whatever the fuck they want to consider themselves now the chain smokers right trap whatever the hell they play uh i really uh am quite bullish on the fact that i i think you could start seeing some house and tech house producers taking some of those slots in the next couple of years dude me too me too and uh this is a really exciting time for house and techno music right now in the u.s you know i think EDM champions all around the world, you know, what what happens in the UK, what happens in the US, what happens in Europe tends to branch out and affect continents beyond just those uh, locales. So, yeah, but it's good. It's coming home. It, it's really coming home because like, it's it should home. have always been this way in, in the US, considering its roots. It really and should Arc, Arc in Chicago is going to yes. put, I mean, Chicago has always been on the map for House of Techno, even though it is a little bit. A lot of people don't realize that the roots of like house music, you know, Chicago. It's, it's in Chicago, and, and like, people York. don't realize it. Chicago and New, New York, people don't realize it. Yeah. But I have a feeling that Arc is going to put that back on the map and into I a lot of so, people's man. minds. I, yeah. I, I hope so because, uh, and I think what's really neat is that they also have Zoo come in there as well. Oh, fuck yeah, and, dude! You know, even though he's not doesn't really fit, you know, uh, house per se. He's kind of got mm-hmm. his own thing. He can certainly play some house, and he certainly does that with his um, what's it called, blacklist. Blacklist, right? Yep which yep. we'll be seeing in the after party there in Chicago too. But I think it's right. a very smart move because that might push a lot of people who may not have any clue about who the other people in that lineup you know, are to going to it and being exposed and trying it out. And I think it's a good bet because if you're kind of into Zoo, some of those other artists and things, I have a feeling you're really actually going to be into, even if you've never heard of them before. So I think that was a very smart move on their part. And again, is another you know signal that, we can start expecting to see techno and house more in the forefront of all festivals, not just obviously dedicated ones, but I think 
all festivals. So that's my prediction in the next couple of years is that we're going to start seeing some primetime slots at major, major festivals in the US, you know, ones that have all different genres. Uh, I think we're going to start seeing them, uh, you know, be given to house producers. Dude, bigger news right now. Big news. Yes, this is big. Yeah. And I think this will be a really fun question to, to pose to each other here, but Live Nation and AEG, two of this Massive. country's uh, biggest event promoters and coordinators, they are going to be requiring a proof of vaccination or negative COVID tests to enter their events, right? You're thinking to yourself, how does this affect me? How does it affect me? Okay. A couple of reasons. I'll tell you why right now. Okay. Check this. First of all, Insomniac is owned by Live Nation. That's their parent company. Yep. So uh, right off the bat, I don't think we've heard any statement yet from Insomniac events just yet, but I know at some of their events, some of their smaller club settings, um, they have said that you will need to show a negative COVID test or a proof of vaccination. So that's number one. Number two, massive stadium tours. Massive stadium tours, like the rumored Swedish House Mafia one, those are usually organized by people like Live Nation or AEG. So get that going right there too. Uh, and then when you got big top dog players doing this shit, it's going to trickle down to the smaller players as well. So I have a feeling we're going to see a massive movement of all types of venues, all types of promoters, even artists themselves, you know, unions of workers who work these events requiring that a proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test become a standard while we're still dealing with this COVID-19 pandemic. Now, Alec, mm. yes, I'm going to pose this question to you. Give right. it to me, baby. Let's hear it. Do you think that this is the right thing to do for promoters to be uh, instilling this sort of rule of requiring either proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test to enter the event? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I understand the arguments against it uh, as much as I do the arguments for it. I, I, I really do understand. You know, I think for a lot of people, it's, uh, it, it's going to be a question of, of freedom and things right and a feeling of uh it's now making this more of an exclusive experience like you have mm. to do this in order to, to get into it where people may have initially ha had a gut reaction that's negative towards that by saying you know it's supposed to be welcoming for all and you know it, the access is not supposed to be harder right to go into it we should be able just to pay for a ticket and go and i understand that but at the same time uh you know the these companies uh and these promoters particularly larger ones uh, have a responsibility not just to the health of the people who are attending the festival, but also to the people of that uh, location and that locale, right? Like the the people who might be flying in from other places, staying in the hotels. You know, mm. some of these festivals are international, right? Might be coming from areas where there's lower vaccination rates, higher cases of, of COVID. And even within the US, right, we've seen spikes of the Delta variant, uh, in fact, to people, even if they are vaccinated, but that, that's a separate story. I mean, there's only so much we can do to control that. But, you know, assuming we want to keep the, the line open of like, let's get things back open again. Let's do things in as safe of a way as possible. This is going down that route of trying to be as safe as possible and minimizing right. the risk. And so from that perspective, I, I really do uh, agree with it, you know, and it's, um, I, I you know, for me, like I, if I was managing this, you know, I would want to be minimizing as much of the risk as possible so i would probably also uh make this decision um yeah so i i think it's good just you know it's, and again like it's not just about the people who are in attendance it's also 
you know, the, the people who are in that city that you're visiting to uh, visiting. So, for instance, with Lollapalooza in Chicago, where they had uh, that mandate as well. You know, Chicago is a big city. Uh, there's, it's also Lollapalooza is a big festival. People from all over the the country go to it, and people from other countries too, probably. Uh, you know, if I was a resident there, it'd make me feel more comfortable if there was something going on where people did have to show proof of vaccination. Dude, I think what you just said about risk minimization is the best way to put it, and the the strongest argument for this as well. I am a hundred percent on your side with this too, man. Like, not only is it about protecting, you know, the concert goers or the the citizens or the residents of that city or state where this uh, this event is happening. But it's also about protecting these industry professionals, man. Yes, we got we got to protect yep, yep. these workers, dude. We got we got to protect the security, you know, the assistants, the stagehands, all those people working behind the scenes. Okay, and guess what? COVID put a massive, massive gap in their wages when it first hit. Those people were without work for over a year. Only now are events starting to come back. Okay. We got to protect their livelihood. And look, I mean, I'm not saying that AEG and Live Nation are like, oh, think about the workers. They got to work. You know, we got to make sure we're protecting them. That's probably not the biggest reason why they're they're in- introducing these uh, these measures, right? They also want to protect their investments of these events too, okay? They want to make some fucking right. money, all right? And they but, also don't want to get sued. And, and they also whatnot. don't want to get sued. But risk minimization, I think, is the perfect way to put it. That's what this is really all about. Is this a perfect system? No. Are there going to be fake COVID tests? Yes. Fake vaccination cards? Yes. Are there going to be, you know, false negatives? But you got to do something. Yep. You got to do something, man. Nothing Nothing is 100%, you know, foolproof. Nothing. I do think before we move on here that it's important to address uh, kind of like I think is an underlying implicit fear and argument that people have against this. Uh-huh. Now, I think is now starting to get more traction. Uh, I know in the in the political realm it certainly is, but there's the slippery slope argument, meaning that one thing that happens can lead to a step that's progressively worse than that, to something that's worse, so on and so forth. Like it's like a slope. You, once you go down this path, there's no stopping it. What people are worried about is that, okay, if we're requiring proof of vaccination for this, are people going to start saying, in order to come to this festival, you have to have a, uh, a flu shot, right? Mm. For other things, right? Vaccinations or just even shots for like other viruses in circulation. Mm. Now, I understand that fear. I really do. Um, and while it's a slippery slope, I think it's a little bit more valid of, uh, than most slippery slope arguments are because most slippery slope arguments tend to be just a little bit vast generalizations, right? That kind of take in, don't take into account uh, case-by-case basis of, of things and such like that. But with COVID, what we've seen, because you know different areas of the world haven't had as quick vaccinations or you know as stringent regulations and everyone's kind of been doing their own thing, what we've seen it, are these variants arise where now the variant, the Delta variant, is quite different in terms of how it spreads, how it can be stopped, and how it makes even people feel than the original, quote-unquote, strain of it. So the concern for a lot of healthcare professionals is more that we just, if we just keep letting people get infected, right, we have no idea what this thing can turn into. We really don't. We're still struggling to even understand the base variant of it. We're getting there, but it's going to take time. So that's why I think it's important to be almost overly cautious with some of these things, right? And that's where I think this policy comes in is rather smart, is that, hey, we're trying to protect ourselves as much as we can against an unknown, a very big unknown, which is like, if we just let everyone get, uh, you know, infected and and crowd together and increase the chances of 
of it being infectious, we don't know uh, how that's going to end up in terms of variants. Alec is such a, how do I say this, dude? Uh, like a freaking Socrates over here, man. Freaking, <laughs> okay, let's lock you know, that ball. A freaking always being fair, you know, and, and presenting both sides of the argument. I really appreciate that, actually. I think, uh, I think it's very easy to just kind of get lost in your own viewpoint right. and not address what the other side is saying. So I really do appreciate that about you. All right. EDM champions, we're coming to that point in the show where we got to start playing some more music because that's what this podcast is all about, baby. Electronic dance music. But first, before we get into that, I just want to let you all know we want to hear from you. Okay. Yes, Instagram at btb.pod and our Twitter is at podbtb. Get connected. We'd love to hear from you. Alec, where are we going? Oh, we're going into the what are we listening to section where we will rate and review either two tracks, EPs or albums. And this week we've got two very, very different singles. But before we dive into it, man, Sabir, could you please remind everyone how we do this section? Here on Beyond the Beats, we have our very own unique rating scale and it ranges from levels one through five. Level one is what we call one listen. It's where you listen to a track and you're probably never ever gonna listen again, but you're encouraging other people to give it a listen. Level two is what we call background noise. It's when a song comes on, it's playing in the background, you're not gonna really do anything with it, you might be doing other things, you're not too bothered by it, but it's there to keep you company. Level three is what we call turn it up. It's when a song comes on, you grab the volume knob and you turn it up. Level four is what we call Just Bought Tickets. It's when you listen to a piece of music, you listen to an artist, and you immediately look up the next time that they're coming to your town and you gotta buy those tickets. And level five is Speechless. It's just you and the music. The song transports you into another world and literally leaves you speechless. So to recap, level one is one listen, level two is background noise, level three is turn it up, level four is just bought tickets, and level five is speechless. Let's get back to it. Excellent. Thank you, sir. I think I think we're going to start with this one. I mean, uh, instead of get the energy up, I, I, I could see you already prepping for your uh, rebuttal of uh, this song over there, but Tiesto and Carol, that's spelled K-A-R-O-L-G, Decided to team up for a track called Don't Be Shy. Let's give it a listen. Oh, you don't want me to be shy? All right. I'll, I'll, <laughs> oh, boy. Here I won't go. be shy then. Maybe I in guess. your case. Yes. A bit, maybe a little bit more shy. Temper it back a little bit. No. Nah, I'll try to hold in my true negative emotions for this track. I really, really don't like this song <laughs> at all. And let me tell you something, man. Okay. I am so sick and tired of hearing like people humming or like going like ba ba ba. Ever like, since on the, Medusa, ever, ever since Medusa, I am so sick and tired of that shit. Hearing that on the drop as like the main lead or like the main attractor, you know, for the drop or the hook of a track. I'm done. I'm done with it, okay? <laughs> if I hear another song pull this kind of shit like I heard here in Testo and Carol G's, totally unimaginative, totally uninventive, totally just bland track, don't be shy, I'm I'm just going to give it an automatic, you know, one out of five because I'm so sick and tired of this trend. Did you just give it, your rating already? <laughs> I may have. I, I'm so sick and tired of this trend. It's, it's, it's shit. I can't take it anymore. And this oh, track no. is just not bringing anything to the table. Tiesto did not shine. Carol G, she sounded fine, but she just was layered on top of a very just un, 
in like just unimpressive production. What did you think? Oh man, okay. So I can see that Tiesto is certainly not won you over with this one. And to be perfectly honest, man, uh, I, I'm pretty much in agreement with you uh, there. I, I thought this was rather uninspiring. But what I think is very interesting about this song to note is uh-huh. that this is clearly a play from Tiesto to lean he- more heavily into that slap house, or as I sometimes call like the, the better version of slap house, deep bass house, right? Which I've talked about like over a year ago, people coming out from the Lithuania, Baltic region. So he's clearly got uh, an ear to the ground or his team does. Uh, and he sees that this is going to be something that's going to be quite big for the pop EDM, you know, kind of combination hybrid movement. However, as you said, man, this is just, it, it's rather uninspiring and it, it's not very original. And it's just kind of yeah. like, eh, you know, I, I don't think I dislike it as much as you do, but I'm just more like, eh, okay, there's nothing really too special here. So I think this is, you know, really designed to be more of like a radio hit or even like a TikTok hit. You know, we've kind of talked about that. I feel like this is a song that maybe people on TikTok would enjoy. So I can kind of see the, the movement with that, but it, it just seems like it's, it's riding a train really uh, than trying to pave the way in a new regard. That train needs to come off the tracks because I'm so done with this <laughs> shit, dude. I'm so done with it. Alec, what's the next song that we're talking about? Let's let's hear it, man. Oh, we go for something very different here. Slander. All right. I know we, we, Slander. We've, we've certainly slandered them a little bit on this podcast a bit. You know, all in love, though. All in love. They are very talented. But Slander yeah. and Subtronics and JT Roach teamed up for a track called Gravity. This was a big one. EDM Champions. Let's give it a listen. It's been a long time since I could come up in here and say that I've really enjoyed a Slander track. This is very refreshing oh, from them. Hurrah. And Subtronics too. I'm okay on Subtronics usually, but Slander, you all know I usually poo-poo them. But uh, <laughs> this one right here, this is quite refreshing, dude. And there are points where the where the, the superb vocals from JT Roach are a bit ill-fitting, but I really do mm. appreciate these new sort of cinematic sounds from slander and subtronics i would totally listen to this again man i'm, yep, I'm really actually blown away by this track this actually sort of reminds me of one of your favorite artists alec could you uh, guess who i'm thinking of i'm blanking in a, in a sort of watered down fashion apache um just like i, I feel I, like, I, like i see I, of, I appreciate the reach there but i think it's a bit of a reach i'm not quite I sure mean, i said it in a watered down way like that sort of grand <laughs> those grandiose uh, sort of instruments yeah the, the cinematic yeah. yeah okay I, I see what you're saying I, I'll, I'll get off my high horse here and stop being a snob uh <laughs> with the, yeah exactly with the production it's like how dare you don't you, you dare slander a posh <laughs> But, you know, I- I'm glad that you you are on board with the song, man, because I am too, actually. And I was very pleasantly surprised. I haven't nice. liked a lot of Slander's uh, uh, more recent releases, and they've been leading uh, pretty heavily into like the melodic bass, melodic dubstep area. Um, but I think what they did here, in terms of, as you were saying, with the cinematic element, uh, was really, really well done. And I just love how Subtronics, you can really hear his influence, especially mm-hmm. on the drops here. Uh, mm-hmm. And I really, I'm a fan of Subtronics. Uh, I like what he does. And I think this was a very, very good combination from both of them. Like, I think creatively, like the creative vision was really well done here. Uh, they collaborated very well. It's a, it's a true collaboration. It flowed. You heard both of the influences on it. Um, and JT Roach, as you said, like, I agree with you, man. Uh, there, there's some points where I'm like, I'm not sure the, the vocal was really... <laughs> Uh, well placed it or, or even yeah. needed 
But yeah. I think on the whole, did a very good job. So this is a very solid track for me, man. I was pleasantly surprised. I'm really stoked on that, man. I'm really, really stoked on that. All right, let's move into rating these two bad boys right let's here, okay? We're starting off with Tiesto, Carol G for their track, Don't Be Shy. Alec. You already know my rating, baby. That's a one uh, out of ten. Yeah. Oh, no. One listed. One out of ten. You mean one out of five. Sorry. One out of five. Thank <laughs> you. One out of five. One listed. What are your thoughts? Oh, yeah. You know, uh, I'm going to give this a, a one listen as well. Whoa. I am. Okay. Um, I, I don't hate it, but I'm actually, uh, I'm interpreting the rating scale this time as more of like, you know, by its literal name, one listen. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, don't, yeah. I don't really have any need to go listen to this track again. Um, it, it, it's not a terrible, terrible track. It's just nothing, nothing that makes me want to go listen to it again. And a little bit disappointing, especially since I, I know, I know that Tiesto can do better, right? I know he can do better with it. And I think he should, because he's, he, he's on the right path here. Like he's done a very good job for this kind of like area, you know, bring really, uh, shining more light on people like a mom back and other things mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, y- you know, and Gowlin, some of those other people from the Baltic regions and this type of sound, but he could do more with it, you know? Like, why just recreate kind of what's already been done in a generic cookie-cutter way when you can really put your own, you know, mastermind spin on it? So, I, right. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm just a little bit disappointed with that. Um, and I have a feeling it's more just to get on the bandwagon than anything. <sighs> Fuck this bandwagon. I'm so done with it, dude. <laughs> uh, Slander, Subtronics, JT wrote, they all teamed up for a track called Gravity. Alec. What are your thoughts, man? Oh, this is a, a very solid level three out of five. Just, no, not just bought tickets. To, Jesus, you made me screw up the rating scale now, too. I know, I'm so sorry. My, my head, <laughs> yeah. I don't know where my head is at right I now. Turn it up, Where's all right? Where's your head at? I don't okay, know why, sorry. but I knew you would do that. Um, <laughs> turn it up. Yep, turn it up. It, it's something that I definitely want to grab a rail and headbang, right? Exactly. There Dude, you go. Hell yeah. You can't see Samir, but he was just headbanging. So thank you hell for that. Yeah. But very about this trip, man. How about you? Dude, let's hit up the dubstep FBI gals. I'll be right there on the rail hey. with you, dude. <laughs> Freaking level three out of five. Turn it up. No brainer on this one, dude. This is a very impressive track from uh, Slanders of Tronics and JT Roach. I'm, I'm really like, I'm really just kind of surprised. But I think my, I'm just surprised by myself by how much I enjoyed this track. You know what I mean? Like anytime <laughs> I hear Slander, I'm just like, oh, here we go again. You know, but yep. I got to say, I'm, I'm really digging this one. Hell yeah, man. I love that. I absolutely yeah. love that. But you know what I love a bit more, man? Not going to lie. I love it a bit more. It's the artists we're watching section. Let's Ladies go. and gentlemen, EDM champions, here we are. It's the final section of the Beyond the Beats experience. And we've got two fantastic up-and-coming underground artists to put on your radar. Samir, my friend, why don't you kick us off? Let's go. All right, EDM champions. I'm doing something a little bit different this time around. This is a sound that I feel like I haven't really been... Uh, promoting on our podcast as much and to to be completely honest with you all i have a hard time sort of naming the genre of this artist but i know when when i hear good electronic music i hear good electronic music and i want to promote that to the edm champions around the world and i really hope this is your cup of tea because i'm super stoked on daniel lumperitis okay Mm. that's a mouthful i understand that that's why you gotta go to the show notes beyondthebeats.co click on episode 112 but this is an artist that has teamed up with people like Louis, Louis the Child, right? Not Louis. I believe it's Louis the Child. <laughs> yeah, I don't think King it is. Louis, you know, if I'm going back to my history <laughs> lessons here. Uh, but this is an artist that has teamed up with people like Louis the Child. So you can kind of already get in the mindset of like more of this chiller sort of indie electronic. 
But Daniel Lumpuritis just released this three-track EP called U-D-G-A-F, the You Don't Give a Fuck EP. And what I love about this EP in general is the fact that there's three different moods on these tracks, right? There's like mm-hmm. the, the, the track from just Daniel himself. Then there's a version of this track that I'm actually going to play for you all right here where he teamed up with uh, with somebody by the name of Hunjaya. So it's the Hunjaya version of this track. Mm. And I love almost this darker, deeper push and pull between Tifa. these two artists. One Difa. And I just love like <laughs> how they push and pull with each other here. So... EDM champions, enough of me talking. You all need to get tapped into Daniel Lumpuritis with his track UDGAF, the Hunjaya version. Take a listen. You don't give a fuck about me. my friend was not expecting this pick from you that's right i really like the diversity you bring recently on the show thank you bro i appreciate that you know man like i'm totally with you this is not something that i i know exactly how to put my finger on in terms of you know the in terms of the genres and things like that but there's just a little bit of like a sprinkle of all the good things from across different genres and now i'm really about this trap man thank you bro I, i appreciate that and you know i'm I'm really just trying to promote some really cool, dope, yeah, interesting, different. diverse sounds. I love here. it. I love you know, it. My my default is if I never, if I don't really know what the genre is, and if it's like sounding a little chiller, I usually just default to indie electronic. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Everything is indie. You know, if you don't know nah, what it is, nah. it's independent. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so EDM champions, really hope that you enjoyed Daniel Lebrida's track UDGAF, the Hunjaya version. There's three tracks on that EP, and all taking a different take on the uh, UDGAF title track and it's really really well done so I highly recommend is you it, head to the show notes isn't that also supposed to be you don't give a fuck is that's that right what it, that's yeah. what it says for you don't give a fuck about me yeah right, I love it go. good Alec I am stoked for your pick. We are yes, ending sir. this episode in a major way. Yes, let's we hear it. Are. Let's bring the energy. Ladies and gentlemen, EDM champions of the globe. I've got someone today who really blends and crosses the boundaries just like Smith's pick of different EDM sounds. You've got future in there. There's bass in there. There's almost like a progressive aspect to the buildups, which you could probably just start hearing right now. Without further ado, let me introduce you to the sounds of Joel Cruz with his track, You Know Why.
dude. Is this another indie electronic uh, track that uh, you know we don't have the genres for? No, I'm messing around. I think I think what you what you just pegged down there was perfect, dude. You know, it's there's some progression to it, there's some bass to it, there's some future to it. Yes. I mean, is there some halftime in there? You know, just with some of the, like the way that those yeah, drums right. are sort of it incorporated was, in there. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Very interestingly done. I mean, it's pretty amazing because this person's also quite. Uh, earlier on in their career. That's right. And just to be able to have the chops produce something that's actually pretty intricate, right? As this. Absolutely. Really, really well done. I, I mean, I couldn't believe it, but he's only got like 20 monthly listeners on Spotify. That's what's like fucking that. crazy. I know. Just the talent. That's, it's unreal. Can I just say something real quick, you know, before before we, you know, we, we continue our thoughts here on Joel Cruz. How the fuck are people like Tiesto pumping out absolutely shite tracks, <laughs> you know? Well, we got... The homie Joel Cruz coming up in here with only 20 monthly listeners, and he's he's pumping out some some songs that are actually like super intricate, yes. well thought out, beautiful and too. A, it's a beautiful, a beautiful track. And it's a beautiful track. Grab you and yes. pull you in. Yes. What's going yes. on right yes. now, man? Uh, it, it just shows, you know. And actually, people over at Spotify predict this: the underground is really seeing uh, it's getting their time to shine. Uh, so I, I think you know, I think he's set to have a pretty darn good career. Oh, this is fun. This was fun. Yes, Honestly, was, uh... really, really great discussions, really great music that we just talked about, except for a few tracks. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's what this podcast is all about. It's all about talking about what's going on in our, in our dance music scene. And EDM Champions, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you enjoy this show, if you could share it with your homies so we can grow this EDM Champion community because that's the number one way yep. to help Beyond the Beats grow. Without that. And, you know, I know we were supposed to have uh, Radiate on for this week's episode. I know we announced that in our last week's episode, but they will definitely 100% be on for our next episode that's episode 113 so make sure you hit subscribe that way you know when that episode drops but until then we'll see you soon stay safe keep dancing peace